transforming the ghetto, therefore, is a problem of power. Confrontation between the forces of power demanding change and the forces of power dedicated to the preserving of the status quo. You've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. No justice! No Hi, and welcome to Sometimes People Win. I'm your host, Alex Storer, and with me is my co-host, Max Jackson. How are you doing, Max? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty good. Awesome. Um, so we just wanted to welcome you guys to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we are going to be doing, uh, like I said, it's called Sometimes People Win, and we're going to be looking at different mass movements uh, throughout American history and perhaps throughout uh, the history of other countries as well, and also contemporary movements, and just looking at um, how they succeeded, uh, what their strategies were, and um, you know what sort of... Uh, conditions there needed to be for them to succeed uh, to just try to serve as a blueprint for uh, the movements in America today, especially um, in this sort of age of resistance to to Trump and uh, to the alt-right. Did you have anything to add to that, Max? Yeah, that sounds about correct to me. Um, the key for me uh, to all this and one of the most important political projects available to anybody is the expansion of our political imagination. Uh, and uh, tended to that is an expansion of what we understand to be politically possible. Uh, what we saw a lot of in the uh, 2016 campaign especially was people saying, uh, "Don't we don't want this, we don't want universal health care because you can directly quote a number of politicians saying that universal health care is never going to happen. You can see a lot of people describing uh, $15 minimum wage as being polit quote unquote politically unfeasible. And to my mind, a lot of that is simply uh, dictated by those who are already in power. It is unfeasible because, exactly because they say that it is an impossible thing to achieve. So what we're aiming to do through this podcast is not just look at uh, you know, some sort of a theoretical critique of contemporary society, but look at how society can be changed and also at how society has already been changed, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and how we can apply those lessons to move forward and achieve more concrete goals for everyday people in modern society. Right. Yeah, I'd say that that really sums up our goals here pretty well. Um, we just want to introduce ourselves really quick. Like I said before, my name is Alex Storr. Uh, I'm currently a college student. I've been uh, very involved in the Bernie campaign. I did a lot of uh, canvassing, including in Iowa and South Carolina. Um, I was also a delegate uh, to the Democratic National Convention, um, and I'm continuing on uh, in my studies in college um, and also trying to work as an activist, uh, sort of both within the Democratic Party and also outside of it. Uh, what about you, Max? All right, yeah, I'm Max Jackson. I work in biotech in the Research Parkway area of the University of Central Florida. 
Uh, my lab works on creating what are called bodies on chips. Basically, we create little miniature versions of human organ systems and use those on sensory beds and use those as a more humane and effective way to uh, develop uh, medicine and other such research treatments. And I also do work as a writer. I work covering the uh, Orlando tech scene here in uh, Orlando, Florida. I do uh, content for various startups and businesses. And I'm also the uh, uh, director of community outreach for the Orlando branch of the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, who is, uh, which has been a tremendous, a tremendous uh, project of mine is just, uh, like I said, expanding political imagination as best I can. Okay. And so our first topic, the first movement we're going to talk about is going to be the movement to stop the Lake Pickett developments that were going to happen in the east of Orange County in Florida. Uh, that's more local for us, but I think um, a lot of movements are local. And even if you're listening from outside the Central Florida area or, uh, or even outside the United States, um, I think those things that happen in local movements can be really applicable to, um, to movements really anywhere. And so this movement that occurred was just to stop a development uh, that was going in. The people that were living there really didn't want it to happen. And they did a lot of direct action, uh, a lot of pressuring the, the government officials that were already there. And they also had a, a political outlet as well where they were able to sort of use that frustration to unseat a pro-business, pro-development conservative member of the county commission um, really by, by startling margins uh, for, for anyone who is uh, looking at the political scene beforehand. No one expected the movement to be able to uh, unseat that commissioner. Um, did you have anything to add about our first topic, Max? Uh, that sounds about right. Uh, something I think that would be quite probably pretty useful for our listeners is to uh, talk a little bit about how, how did we end up here? Uh, what, what brought us here uh, into this recording booth today? And I, I'm kind of curious to hear your story. Like, what inspired you, like what led you to consider this stuff to be important enough to uh, seek talking about it on such a platform? Well, I think that um, I was really sort of energized to get into politics, like a lot of people, by the Bernie Sanders campaign. I had sort of initially thought of myself as a libertarian, um, in a sense, you know, thinking about smaller government in, in, all, in all, of, all of those kind of uh, talking points you hear from libertarians. But then I, I saw Bernie Sanders and I saw what he was talking about. And I was like, wow, you know, the top 1% really does control as much wealth as the bottom 90%. You know, wow, um, we really do have backwards healthcare systems and, and you know, and, and backwards um, education funding in America, as opposed to other countries that are doing it a lot better than us. And, and I really started to, to hear what he was talking about. And he sort of really brought me to the left on, on economic issues and, and just trying to make sure that we have a government uh, and a system that's really working for everyone. And it was clear to me at that point that we did not currently have that system. So going off of that, helping people figure out how to make the system more like how they want it to be, I think is a really noble goal. If we can tell the stories of these movements and help people to um, sort of understand how it is that you, you know, pressure politicians or public officials into doing what you want them to do or, or uh, you know, just really changing the system from within. I, I think that I think that's a, a really noble goal because we need to start seeing that more and more. People need to start waking up because uh, we have a lot of really urgent crises in this country. 
Well, what about cool. you, Max? Yeah. What, what brought you here? I, I, I think I relate to almost all of what you just shared there. Um, my, I, along with uh, much, much of my generation, sort of emerged into uh, political consciousness um, right after the close of the, uh, the Cold War. And so, for me, American hegemony was basically this just this sort of axiom because I knew of no prior, uh, you know, great challenger or great, uh, you know, great rival for United States dominance. And so, for me, it was just, you know, it was just always uh, that the United States was number one. Uh, we're the best. The society is the best, etc. And then, you know, that eventually things just sort of got bandied about between the Democrats, who, uh, as, far as, in, as far as my simplistic understanding of things went, were the good guys, and the Republicans who were the bad guys. So for me, um, you know, in my very early youth, the central political project was just make sure that Democrats win, Democrats equal good, um, and Republicans equal bad. So you know that that proceeded for a long time. I I came uh, of voting age during the uh, the first Obama campaign. He was the first person that I voted for, and I voted for him twice. Um, I was very energized by that campaign, and then um, as with quite a lot of people, sort of disillusioned uh, when that you know that was my first time seeing a great degree of campaign promises uh, you know not be fulfilled, or you know have seeing this energy sort of turn into. Uh, just sort of be diffused by the uh, by the establishment. So, uh, along with so many, I was, uh, as you said, very en- tremendously energized by the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign. I think that's a very apt term for it. Um, but for me, what that what moment represented was uh, that it was that it was feasible and acceptable to say that you know the system is bad. That this is not necessarily these. Uh, uh, the, the, the contemporary power structure is not something that's axiomatic. It's not something that's granted. Um, it's not something that descended from the heavens. Um, it's something that is is the way it is because we all uh, we we all basically agree upon it for for whatever reason. Um, and so with that and with sort of encountering other people along the way who were uh, willing to put themselves out there, uh, saying that they're you know socialists or saying that they are anti-capitalists or sa- people who were willing to take that plunge to say that they have some sort of radical challenge to the way that things are um, is what first led me to say, okay, this is, this is okay for somebody like me to be like this. And so uh, that was what kind of uh, undergirds my uh, enthusiasm for the project of highlighting mass movements is like is underlying, uh, is identifying and underscoring the, the everyday people that have made these sort of things happen and that have changed the system without themselves being uh, necessarily absorbed into it, uh, diffused by it, um, people who have you know, made a difference uh, on their own terms. And so that's the sort of thing that sort of leads me here, that uh, drives me here, and is the sort of inspiration that I hope to highlight and to share. Okay. Well, thanks for taking us through that, Max. Um, so we're planning on uh, working on that Lake Pickett Developments episode, and we should have that out to you guys within the next couple of weeks. Um, so please stay tuned for that. And I hope you will continue to listen to Sometimes People Win. Thanks. Thank you, everybody.